0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. How you doing, Red Sox fans? Welcome to episode 14 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome, welcome to episode 14. I hope all is well. It has been An absolutely crazy week. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely just done with everything. I am extremely tired. Not only did we have the trade deadline this past week, but I also went back to work, my main job. If you don't know, I am a teacher full-time. Going back to work this week, along with covering the trade deadline. I'm quite exhausted, to be completely honest with you. But the show must go on the show must go on and we got a lot to talk about with the Red Sox big trade deadline the Red Sox making a few moves i'm going to give my thoughts on each of those moves i'm going to give my thoughts on how i'm thinking of the team moving forward some interesting moves here uh, very heim bloom kind of moves and uh, i was not surprised in the in the slightest of how heim bloom approached the deadline do I feel like we could have done a little bit more? Yeah, I do. I feel like there could have been something else done. Um but in the end it is what it is. And uh, and I do think there is a reason for why Heim Bloom didn't do a little bit more. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But uh everyone welcome again to episode 14 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Make sure You go on the Believe In Podcast Network. Go check out all of the other podcasts on there. There's some really good stuff on there. Uh, Whether you're looking for football, basketball, whatever else, go check it out. There's a whole ton of different shows. But uh, for here, we're going to break down the Sox tonight. But before I do get to tonight's episode, I just want to go over this episode's sponsor, and that is Bet Online. Hold on just one second, everyone. All right, so with Bet Online, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in game betting props, and futures. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online where the game starts. Also, don't forget, everyone, we are partners with SeatGeek. Use my code HIDE. You'll get $20 off your first purchase, the code HIDE, H Y D E. If you're looking to go to a game, absolutely take advantage of my code. You can find some pretty great deals on SeatGeek. And don't forget, we are partners with prize picks as well. Uh, we talked about Bet Online, but if you want to try another avenue when it comes to the sports betting game, Go check out prize picks. You play the over unders. You're not playing against other people. You're playing against the system. Use my code Ginger. You will get a 100% deposit match. So if you deposit $20, they'll give you $20. Go check it out. And uh, let's get to tonight's episode uh i am live here on youtube so everyone in the chat thank you for joining me but you can find this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast whether that's spotify google stitcher apple wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so if you are listening right now on the road at home laying in your bed snuggling with your pillow welcome i do appreciate all of you coming along for the ride so again a very busy week this past week uh Absolutely crazy. I think we can all agree that Juan Soto going to the Pogs race stole the show. That was a historic deal. We have never seen a player like that of that magnitude, a unicorn of a player like that, get traded during the season. We've seen big-name players around in their 20s get traded before, but in the offseason. We've never seen anything like that in season. We've never seen it. It's absolutely wild going to the Pogs Rays in a massive deal. Uh, Overall, my thoughts on the deadline, just crazy. You know, I feel like last year's deadline was a little more fun. This one felt like it it got held up a little bit by the Juan Soto deal. And uh, it felt like once that happened, we did see some deals prior to that, but it felt like once that happened, the floodgates just opened. And uh, it did feel like that trade itself held up the market just a little bit and um and to be honest with you and I think that's what happened with Heim Bloom in the end Heim Bloom did make a few deals I'm going to break those down but I feel like he kind of ran out of time I feel like he wanted to make some moves he even was on the record to say that he said he you know he was looking to make some more deals out there but in the end he just ran out of time and uh hey what can you do but Let's get to the deals here because there, there's a lot to digest and the big one going to the Red Sox was Eric Hosmer. I mean, Eric Hosmer, he was very good with the Kansas City Royals, you know, believe it or not, going he is actually back in Kauffman Stadium tonight, uh, with, first game with the Red Sox and it's his first time going back to Kauffman Stadium. I think that's actually pretty cool. Uh, it's almost like he was meant to come to the Red Sox at this time, but with Eric Hosmer, that it has been a bad contract ever since he signed with the Ray's. It was a pretty big signing at the time, the Padres. They were trying to take a step forward to relevancy. And uh, Eric Hosmer was one of those first pieces for them. But he is just not really worked out. Just underperforming. There's been some injuries. You know, he just hasn't really been able to put it together. This year, on... The other hand, though, he's been okay through 90 games. He's hitting 272 or 336 on base. It's just that slugging is low. He's not really coming through with a whole bunch of offense when it counts. You know, the total bases aren't quite up there, but he's not having a bad season by any means. So. I do like it for the Red Sox. The trade itself, we saw Eric Hosmer coming to the Red Sox along with some prospects. Uh Corey Rosier and Max Ferguson. If we actually go take a look here at the Red Sox top prospects, uh Ferguson or sorry, hold on. We had Max Ferguson. Uh Max Ferguson, as of right now, he ranks as the number 30 prospect on MLB pipeline. So I like that Heim Bloom here. We'll talk about a couple of, other of these guys in just a little bit, but for Max Ferguson, you know, hey, an infielder that you're adding to that system, adding some depth to that system, and that's exactly what bloom has been trying to do ever since coming on, uh, taking over the Red Sox as the president of baseball operations. Max Ferguson, on the other hand, though, he's not having a great season with San Diego, uh, but if we take a look here, there's a lot of athleticism with Max Ferguson. If you look at the scouting report, a 45 hit, a 40 power. There's just not a whole lot there with the bat, but he provides speed. He has a 60 run tool and the arm is a 50 and the field is a 55. So really with Max Ferguson, you're really seeing a defense first kind of a guy. So who knows? Maybe you know, if the Red Sox, they have a track record of maybe getting some guys on the right track with their bat who knows how much they can get with the bat when it comes to Ferguson but at least you know there is some athleticism there there is some defense there so worst comes to worst maybe in a couple of years we end up seeing him as a defensive replacement a pinch runner kind of a guy uh he he can play middle infield so that's pretty good he can play some short he can play some seconds so I, I don't I don't hate the addition of him uh Corey Rozier that's another guy there's a little bit of upside there but obviously, the big piece here is Eric Hosmer coming to the Red Sox. And actually, the Red Sox did have to part with Jay Groom in this deal. I was really liking what Jay Groom was doing for the Red Sox in, his, uh, in the farm system this year. He had Tommy John not too long ago, but he's really worked himself back. <clears throat> and for the Padres, I actually think that was a pretty solid addition for them, you know, because they did have to part with a ton of prospects. So at least they were able to add a pretty decent pitching prospect in Jay Groom. Uh Jay Groom, you know, decent fastball. He's got a good curveball, a good slider. And uh this year, he hasn't been too bad. 3.59 ERA over 19 games, uh 96 K's over around 93 innings. So he's been all right, but I guess the Red Sox felt okay. You know, I think we're they were okay with parting with him. So, but in the end, what the Red Sox did here with Eric Hosmer is you know, the goal here for the Red Sox is they're trying to keep a relevant team on the field at the major league level. They're trying to stay in contention. And with Eric Hosmer, they saw an opportunity there where they could bring him in the Padres. Padres are pretty much paying all of his contract, pretty much most of it. And in the end, the Red Sox, they were able to bring in a couple of prospects. And that's what Bloom has been able to do. You know, not the biggest fan of parting with Jay Groom because, you know, with the Red Sox, when it comes to their farm system, They've never really been rich in pitching prospects. That That is something I would love for the Red Sox to be able to turn around. You know, they do got some guys there that have moved themselves up in the minor league system. You know, guys like Walter uh, Mata has gotten himself, you know, back to being injury free coming off of Tommy John. So they do got some pictures there in that farm. But, you know, I was a little disappointed parting with someone like Jay Groom. But for... Eric Hosmer, I actually think he is going to do pretty well with the Red Sox. This is a guy who's pretty much going to be the placeholder at first base. And that's another thing I like, too, is, you know, you've been bouncing around with Dahlback, Cordero, uh, Frenchy Cordero actually went back down to AAA, actually doing pretty, uh, pretty well in his first game back at AAA with the Woo Sox, but... Uh, with the Red Sox, they got a guy now that you can just put at first base every single day. Bobby Dahlback. he's always been a third baseman. I think a lot of people might've forgotten about that, is that Dallback at first base, that's not his natural position. He's a third baseman. So we'll have to see what ends up happening with him. How much playing time will he end up getting, especially with Devers at third, and now you got Hosmer at first. So how much more of Dallback are we going to see? Not quite sure, but I do think Eric Hosmer now, is the placeholder for Tristan Cassis. He recently came back from the IL from an ankle sprain. So uh, I'm okay with this. I like that you have some stability here. You know, Eric Hosmer, among all first basemen, he's not going to be the best defensive guy out there. But at the end of the day, Eric Hosmer, he's a veteran. He's a pro. He's a guy that you can write in the lineup in the sixth or seventh spot in your lineup every single day. And I'm okay with that. And they were able to bring in a couple of prospects as well. Uh, In the end, yeah, little disappointed parting with Jay Groom, but I overall like the deal, especially because it's no longer an under the water contract. That's the big thing. If the Red Sox were having to pay this, then, you know, I wouldn't like it at all, but pretty much the Padres are pretty much paying all of it. So I have no problem with it really. And so he'll be there until Tristan Cassis is ready uh, to take that spot. Question is how quick would that be? Eric Hosmer has got a few years left. So we'll have to wait and see how quickly Tristan Cassis how quickly it will be before he ends up taking that spot. Uh, as for the trade itself, if we go to baseball trade values, uh, it was a very even trade. Absolutely even trade here. Jay Groom going to the Padres, a $3.5 million value. Eric Cosmer was a negative $35.2 million. That is awful a terrible contract it's been, but the Padres sending over a ton of cash. Uh, they sent over right around 36 million. So that pretty much makes up the value uh, that was the the negative equity when it came to Eric Cosmer. And then, you know, not amazing prospects by any means with Ferguson and uh, Rozier, but in the end, I like it. You know, Ferguson, more of an athletic guy. Rozier, he's a, def- he's a decent outfield prospect. Uh, he could possibly turn into something, 's got he's got some upside with the bat there so we'll have to wait and see what ends up happen, happening with him um, but in the end I, I don't hate the deal really at all like I said with Hosmer he's hitting 272 a 336 on base a 391 slugging is a bit of an issue there uh, but the WRC plus a 107 and let me actually hear let me I forgot to pull this up earlier uh, let me pull up Rozier's scouting report here on Baseball America. I wanted to read that to you. All right, here we go. Corey Rozier, uh, Baseball America, always a great resource. So let's go take a look. Uh, Corey Rozier is not in the top 30 when it comes to the Red Sox top 30 prospects. So I'm wondering where exactly he ranks. But uh, if we take a look here uh, with him, he's actually having himself an okay year in high A ball. So far, he's been hitting 263, you know, six homers, 37 RBIs, whatever. But he's got 33 stolen bases. This is another athletic guy. Um, I, I just, I, you know, that's what the Red Sox and bloom they're looking to add. They're looking to just add athletes to that system. And that's very reminiscent of what the Rays Have always done so. Hayan Bloom taking what he learned with the Rays and bringing it to the Red Sox, adding athletic kind of guys. And you know, with Rozier, there is upside with the bat just because of how athletic he is. Uh, He only has a 396 slugging in the minors, but again, there is some upside there. He has a 381 on base. That is one thing to take note of with him. So coming into this year, he was the number 27 prospect for the Pogs race. So here is the scouting report for Rozier. He's a contact-oriented hitter with a simple approach and set up a fluid left-handed swing. So like I'm saying here, there's upside, a fluid left-handed swing. You always like to see something like that in a scouting report. Uh, he shows solid control of the strike zone and had nearly as many walks as strikeouts. My goodness. So like we just pointed out, the on-base percentage, a three on on-base. He just needs to add a little more pop to the bat. You know, fluid swing. He's going to get some contact. But if we can get a little bit more power there, this guy could end up being a really decent player. All around kind of a guy. So again, the upside is there. Rozier's plus plus speed is his best tool. He uses it efficiently to steal bases and covers ample ground in center field. He is an above average defender in center and has plus arm strength that keeps runners from taking extra bases. So uh for right now baseball america what they're thinking with him he's a solid bet to become at least an extra outfielder he'll make his organizational uh he so he just made his debut uh, for high a fort wayne this year so uh, like i've said a few times here cory rosier there is upside there and again as for max ferguson you're not getting a whole lot, another athletic kind of a player, but the bat is pretty much non-existent at this point. Uh, I'm surprised Rozier does not rank here a little higher on the top 30. I would think with him, he's probably somewhere in the 30 to 25 range or 30 to 26. So um, to me, I think Rozier is the better prospect than Max Ferguson. So I disagree here with MLB pipeline. I think Rozier... Probably should be the number 30 instead of Max Ferguson, but that's just me. Either way, uh, I like uh, what the Red Sox did here, adding prospects. That's what the Red Sox need to do. They got some pretty good pieces at the top. Pretty good pieces at the top of the farm now. They've spent the last couple of years adding to the top of that farm, but they need to build depth. In that farm. And that's exactly what they did here with this kind of a deal. Uh, and hey, Heim Bloom, you got to give him a lot of credit here, taking advantage of a situation where the Padres they needed to trade away Eric Cosmer. I mean, hey, they bring it, they brought in Juan Soto and Josh Bell. They had to get rid of Eric Cosmer and Heim Bloom, very smart on him to jump in on this. So I give Heim Bloom a lot of credit for making this deal. Let's move in to the next deal here. Now, this is the one uh, that tugged on a lot of heartstrings when it comes to Red Sox fans. You know, Red Sox fans, we have uh, grown to love Christian Vasquez over the years. Came up big in the playoffs last year against the Rays. And, uh, you know, to see him get traded away to the Houston Astros, uh, you know, this guy is on the field, he's warming up, you know, and then all of a sudden he comes off the field and You know, he says, yeah, I think I, I think I just got, I got traded. And then they asked him how he felt and he's like, Hey, you know, it's a business. You know, you could tell it affected him. You could tell it, it, it's tough. Christian Vasquez has been around the Red Sox for a long time. He was, I believe the longest tenured player on the Red Sox. So to see him go, it's, it was a little sad. I'm not going to lie. When I saw it, I, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, yeah, you know, I don't hate it because the Red Sox were able to add a couple of prospects there, which, you know, at the end of the day, long term, that's going to be better for the Red Sox. But, you know, hey, it, it's kind of stunk to see a player like Christian Vasquez. I've really enjoyed Vasquez over the years. Um, to me, you know, to have that kind of a catcher where he got a lot of similar, uh, a lot of comparisons to Yadier Molina. And uh, we had that guy for a long time. And yeah, sure. Maybe the bat wasn't all that great sometimes, but he came up in a lot of big spots and, you know, helping the Red Sox win the 2018 world series. He was a big part of this organization. And uh, Hey, who knows? Maybe he could end up coming back to the Red Sox in the off season. He will be a free agent. I don't know though. I don't know because Bloom, ever since he came to the Red Sox, as soon as he took over president of baseball operations, it felt like ever since he took that role, Christian Vasquez was in the rumor mill. There were rumors of him going to the Rays a couple of years ago. The Mets were involved on him in uh, with him at one point. So in the end, I was not surprised to see him get moved. It was really not surprised. I'm sure maybe it surprised some other people, but it did not surprise me at all. I remember seeing his name come up in talks with the Rays a couple of years ago during that COVID season. I'm thinking like, what the... Christian Vasquez, we're going to trade this guy? What the heck are we doing here? But uh, in the end, ended up happening. But the Red Sox were able to bring in a couple of decent prospects here with Emmanuel Valdez and Willier Abreu. So if you go to MLB Pipeline's top 30 for the Red Sox, Abreu is the number 29 and Emmanuel Valdez is the number 28. I do really like these pieces. I like me some Emmanuel. sorry, I said Emmanuel Valdez is N-Manuel Valdez. He can play a lot of different positions. This is a kind of a guy I'm not surprised that Bloom brought him in. He can play multiple positions, and this is a guy that can hit. He can hit, man. Take a look at some of these numbers here. Uh, so far this year, over 40 games, 167 at-bats, hitting 293, a 346 on base, a 563 slugging, 11 homers, 33 RBIs. This guy has a very promising bat. So taking a look at the scouting report here, Valdez has done a better job of managing the strike zone since losing a season to the pandemic, and the added discipline has helped him tap more into his power. He's making more consistent and hard contact with his quick left-handed swing. He's more of a power over hit type, but could provide 20 or more homers per season. The fact that he has improved his plate discipline over the last couple of years, with the power that he has, he is turning into a really good hitter. And I think Heim Bloom, he really took advantage of this. He saw this guy doing really well in the minor leagues. This isn't a guy you're not hearing really anything about. Uh, he's not really you know, one of these top prospects out there, but he's having a really good season so far in the minors, you know, when he was with the Astros. And hey, a power hitter. You know, he's a lefty bat. He can play multiple positions. This is a guy to be on the lookout for over the next few years. He could really emerge as a a player for the Red Sox down the road. But you know Bloom, he loves guys that can play multiple positions because it's only going to add value to the team. That's kind of the way the game of baseball is going now. You're adding guys now, or teams are trying to add guys where they have more versatility. It's just going to help the team in just so many ways. So... Uh, I was not surprised to see this kind of a guy get added. And there's also Willier Abreu. Um, to me, with a Willier Abreu, he's got a 45 hit, a 50 power, 50 run, 55 arm, a 55 field. Overall, a pretty solid player. Um, this year in the minors, over 91 games, hitting 248, a 399 on base. That's the big one that sticks out right there. My goodness, this guy walks a ton. He gets on base, man. And. He's got 23 stolen bases. If you take a look here, if you're with me on YouTube here, he has 111 strikeouts, but he has 80 walks as well. This guy gets on base a ton. He's also got 15 home runs this year. Again, this is the kind of a player the Red Sox and Bloom are going for. They're going for guys that can get on base. They're going for – and Bloom seems to have a bit of a thing – for these power hitter, these power hitting guys, these guys that have raw power, and this is what Willier Abreu is going to bring you. So, taking a look at the scouting report here, it says early in his career, Abreu had a relatively flat stroke, hit a lot of balls on the ground, and didn't turn on many pitches. Last season, he showed a much more aggressive swing designed to launch balls to his pole side. He's also a lefty bat, so interesting that Heim Bloom. Went with adding a couple of lefty bats. You always think, all right, well, righty bats are always going to fit well at Fenway Park, but, hey, he went lefty here, but I'm okay with that. Uh, While he produces some of the better exit uh, velocities among Houston's farmhands, he also struck out at a 29% clip. So we did just look at the strikeouts. Uh, Yes, over 100 strikeouts this year, but he's walking a ton as well. So that's a big thing. Oh, hello, all Hawaii. Oh, sorry about that, everyone. I think the volume was a little loud. Let me turn off that volume here. I apologize for that. Volume is off. Uh, Paul Hawaii, thank you for becoming a member of the channel. Oh, you, you're you're a legend of the channel, Paul Hawaii. Gotta love that, my friend. Uh, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, and and thank you. I appreciate you, my friend. Um, try and uh, look for. I need to go put the link in the community tab. I completely forgot to do that the other night. Someone asked me about that. Uh, Go try the link in the community tab on my channel and go see uh, if you can just scroll down a little bit. You should be able to find it and see if it works and let me know. Uh, But yeah, apologies for that everyone. I'm not sure what's going on with the volume. When I'm using my other setup here on Streamlabs, it it doesn't make, I don't know why, it's not making that much volume. But when, for some reason, when I'm using this setup for the Believe in Red Sox podcast, it it's loud for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. So I have muted it. I apologize about that, everyone. But Paul Hawaii, welcome to the channel as a member. Enjoy, my friend. So for the Red Sox here, they're just doing what they needed to do. Yeah, it came at the expense of Christian Vasquez. It was definitely sad to see him go, but they were able to add a couple of high upside bats here in Valdez and Abreu. And uh, before I move on to the next couple of trades here, I do just want to go over something with Eric Hosmer. I forgot to mention earlier. Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer has quite. Uh, you would think you know with with Hosmer over the last few years, he has not been a great bat. And uh, oh wow, Paul Hawaii has, what is this? I have never seen this before. Gifted 10 memberships. What is that? I have never seen that before. I have, that's a thing? Wow. Wow, 10 people in the chat just got gifted a membership. Holy cow, I didn't even know you could do that. That's crazy. Wow, Paul Hawaii, thank you so much for that. What is that? I have never seen this before. Is this a new thing? Huh. That is interesting. I wonder how it does it randomly pick? Wow. All right. Well, that's very cool. Well, uh 10 of you just got a membership. So, enjoy. That's awesome. Oh, it's a new it's a new feature Ethan says. Wow. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Paul Hawaii, uh, very generous of you, my friend. Very generous. So, um, everyone, let's get back to it. Eric Hosmer. So, you're probably thinking over the last couple of years, yeah, you know, hasn't really been that great. But there is some things here to look at with Eric Hosmer. If you take a look here on Baseball Savant, the average exit velocity is down. But his max exit velocity ranks at almost the top 10%. So, you got to like that with Hosmer. He can – you still – know that he can get into one here and there. The expected batting average is actually a lot better. He's in the top 40% when it comes to his expected batting average, and he doesn't strike out a whole bunch. He's in the top 15% in uh, in K percentage, and the whiff percentage, he's in the top 17%. So, Eric, and, and the walk percentage too, he's in the top 50%. So, Eric Hosmer, I think he is going to be pretty decent here. He gets hits. He's not striking out a ton. He's walking as well. So I think he's going to end up being a pretty decent fit. And one other thing I want to point out here is on the Baseball Savant Illustrator, I have the spray chart pulled up here. And if I go to Petco Park, you know, Petco Park has always been known more of a a picture-friendly park. And I wonder if that, I think that's actually hurt Eric Hosmer a little bit over the years. But if you take a look here, Uh, He's got how many home runs? He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight homers. And uh, he's got a couple there where they were outs that were pretty close to being homers. But if I change Petco Park to Fenway Park, as you can see here, quite a few more balls ended up getting, they would have gone out at Fenway Park. So that's a pretty good sign of your Eric Hosmer. Um, He had a couple of doubles there that would have, They might have gone off the monster, very possible, or or they might have even gone over the monster, and uh, we had a couple of other balls here that were outs that maybe could have scraped the monster as well, so I think Hosmer is going to be a better fit at Fenway Park, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But as for the Christian Vasquez trade, I have it pulled up here on baseball trade values. Uh, Christian Vasquez had a value of 0.4 million, and in return, the Red Sox received 2.5 million with Abreu and Valdez. So, again, Heim Bloom adding back end prospects, not top heavy prospects, but guys that provide depth in your system and uh, guys who have upside. I really do like that a lot. So, when it comes to, when it comes to the Red Sox and the catching position, it's going to be interesting moving forward. But Bloom did make another deal to help alleviate Christian Vasquez leaving, and that was bringing in Reese McGuire from the White Sox. Now, the Red Sox ended up getting here, you know. They got themselves a pretty good deal. They got themselves a pretty good deal here. Um, Reese McGuire, $3.8 and Diekman has a negative five point three. $5.3 Honestly, I'm glad Jake Diekman ended up going. He had some decent moments with the Red Sox. You know, the one that stuck out was at Yankee Stadium when he struck out the side for the save uh, when he closed out that game. Everyone was thinking like, oh, here's our next closer, but I did not trust Diekman even at that point. That's a guy, he he could come in, Yeah, he could have a pretty good outing like that here and there. But after that happened, I was still very cautious about him because that was a guy he's been known to give up a lot of walks in his career. And that kept happening with the Red Sox. So for the White Sox, it was a really interesting call that he would want to bring in someone like Diekman unless they see something that they could fix with him. I don't know. I thought that was a rather weird ad for the Chicago White Sox. To, bring, I mean, because there were other lefty relievers out there, even like someone like a Joe Mant apply would have been okay. I, I just, I don't understand it. Um, but it does say here, cash going to the White Sox. I think this is a bit inaccurate. I, I don't think the Red Sox sent any cash. I could be wrong. Um, I think it was just Deekman for McGuire. There might have been a little cash, but I don't think there was. But with Reese McGuire, that is the focus here. He is not really going to give you a whole bunch with the bat. Maybe the Red Sox can figure something out with the bat a little bit. Maybe help him get going. But with Reese McGuire, what you're getting here is defense. Reese McGuire is one of the better defensive catchers in the game. I really like this addition with him because... This is a guy where Christian Vasquez was good defensively, but Reese McGuire actually ranks better than Christian Vasquez defensively this year. So, sure, he's really not going to give you anything with the bat. He's never really been a bat guy. You know, last year t- with the Blue Jays, over 78 games, he hit 253, had a 310 on base. You know, really not a whole lot there. That's pretty much the best year that he's had. Well, I mean, if you go back to 2019, he played 30 games. He hit 299, but uh, I mean, that was over 30 games, pretty small sample size. So in the end, though, my point, it's the glove with Reese McGuire. And I think the Red Sox, they they found something there. They took advantage of the White Sox looking for a lefty reliever. And, you know, honestly, I wonder, and again, I kind of wondered about the motivation with the White Sox there. I wonder if they saw something with Jake Deekman, maybe they 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 felt like they could tweak something mechanically with him. Um we'll have to wait and see. I wonder if Deekman could end up being a pretty uh, a good surprise for the White Sox in the second half. They're trying to get into the, you know, get back into, the, you know, the the division there and uh, they're right there in the wild card race too. So that'd be interesting. You got to remember with the White Sox, they had Garrett Crochet and now he's out, so they needed a lefty arm there. So it made sense why they were bringing Deekman, but I just felt like there were better arms out there. But hey, whatever. Deekman, he's got velocity, so the White Sox felt like, all right, maybe they could they could fix something with Deekman there. So, um, that's what I'm thinking. I think the White Sox they'll find a way to get him back on track. But for the Red Sox, this was a, a Reese McGuire. He's really going to help out defensively. So now you're probably thinking, you know, Christian Vasquez, well. You know, he was hitting pretty well this year. You know, obviously, he's playing good defense out there. He's working well with the pitching staff. But what about the bat? You know, because he was having a decent year hitting over 280. But what the Red Sox ended up doing, they went a bit of an interesting route. They went a bit of an interesting route here, bringing in Tommy Pham. This was very interesting. They basically got him for nothing, a player to be named later. It was approved by baseball trade values. The, Tommy Pham had a value of $0.5 million. Usually a player to be named later ends up being anywhere from zero to half a million in value. So pretty much uh, it was approved. But Tommy Pham, this is a guy where, l- listen, Tommy Pham, we all know what happened with the whole fantasy football thing, you know, getting into that scuffle. But Tommy Pham, this is a guy Bloom knows very well with his time with the Rays. And uh, I think with Fam, he's always been more of a, he's had good expected numbers. He's a guy, he's going to give you a little something here. He's going to give you some speed. That's one thing with Tommy Fam. He has a little bit of pop. So I am okay with Tommy Fam, Tommy sorry, coming over for the Red Sox. Again, they got him pretty much for nothing. So that's how they're replacing Christian Vasquez. They're replacing him with Fam, Hosmer, and Reese McGuire, you know. I would probably just say more Tommy Pham and Reese McGuire, the combo of those guys. And then Eric Hosmer, they just took advantage of that situation and they got themselves a first baseman, which they did need. So in uh, my opinion, Vasquez turned into Tommy Pham and Reese McGuire. Now, the question moving forward with the Red Sox, this is going to be a storyline this offseason. What are the Red Sox going to do at the catching position? That's going to be very interesting. I'm very curious about that. You you do have a couple of young guys in the the farm. You have Ronaldo Hernandez. You got Connor Wong. Could you turn to those guys? You have some free agents out there. I will say this. I will say this. uh, Taking a look here at the free agents coming up in 2023... I have a bit of a prediction right here and I'm going to I'm going to say it on the record. You guys can record this whatever. This is my prediction for what the Red Sox are going to do. If he is healthy, if he's healthy, I think the Red Sox will go after Mike Zanino. Um this is a guy, you know, again another Tampa Bay Ray. He's got he's a righty bat, a bunch of power. He's hit well at Fenway Park. I could honestly see Bloom going after Zanino. I, I, that's what I think he's going to end up doing. I think he's going to make him a target because I don't think he's going to bring Christian Vasquez back. That's a guy, ever since he came in, had Vasquez on the rumor mill, and uh, he was shopping him around ever since he got there. I think Bloom is going to go after Zanino. And my goodness. Uh, Brandon Dillman, I see you in the chat. You're saying here, they'll sign Gary Sanchez. I will jump off a cliff if they sign Gary Sanchez. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I would not completely discredit it. I really wouldn't. I could honestly see Heim Bloom. He loves these power hitters, he loves them. He just loves them. And I I would not be surprised at all if he made a move like that. I, I don't think he will, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I think Zanino is going to be the guy that Heim Bloom goes after in the offseason. So, um, in the end here for the Red Sox, uh, I gave the Red Sox a B for this, uh, for this trade deadline based off of what their goals are. Their goal was to add prospects while also keeping a competitive team on the field. You know, what you gotta give the, you know, the red Hein Bloom and the Red Sox a little credit here. They brought in some pieces. They they were they traded away Vasquez, you traded away Diekman. Um, I was a little bummed out parting ways with Jay Groom, but you brought in some major league talent, but you brought in four prospects. Four prospects. I mean, that's the fact that he was able to still keep the major league team competitive while also bringing in four prospects at the same time. I think that's a good job. Um, I think he could have done more. Absolutely. I, I really was hoping that he would add a picture somewhere. There was no pitching to be found. That's been a bit of a problem with the Red Sox for the last month. Um, the pitching has just been running thin, and you could see it. So a little disappointed, and that's where I'm saying where Bloom. he was saying that you know he was looking to even make some more deals, but in the end he just didn't have enough time to get it done. Um, and that's getting back to the Juan Soto thing. I really do think that held up the market a little bit. Um, so, I don't know. But Bloom, I'll give him a B. If he had added a picture, you know, and maybe even another prospect, I think you could have seen like a B plus or an A. But I think a B is a fair grade because he went out there and he did exactly what he wanted to do. So that's what I'm thinking there. Now, the Red Sox moving forward, okay? Well, you know what? Before we actually get to the the, the, the rest of the season, let's talk about this Astros series. Uh, hey, you know, Hey, bit of a bummer trading Christian Vasquez, but in the end, the Red Sox won two out of three. You got great pitching from Evaldi in game one and Cutter Crawford in game two. Great pitching. And that's what I'm saying. I was hoping the Red Sox could add some pitching. You know, I know Evaldi was going to get himself back on track eventually. He was wiping off a lot of rust. I was not really worried about Nathan Evaldi. Um, And that was another guy too. That was another guy. He was in the rumor mill a little bit, along with JD Martinez. A little surprising that JD Martinez ended up staying with the Red Sox. I think in the end, maybe the salary was a bit too much for being just a designated hitter. Maybe there were some talks out there, but JD Martinez didn't have like a huge market. There were a couple of teams. The Mets were known as a team, possibly, but they ended up making all these other deals for like Vogelbach and Naquin. So there was not a big market for JD Martinez in the end. And I think for other teams, sure. They wouldn't have minded someone like him on their roster, but you know, he still was owed quite a bit of money. So I don't know if teams really thought it was worth it. And um, so they probably wanted the Red Sox to maybe pay some salary. I don't know. I mean, for the and if they had paid some salary, they probably could have gotten maybe a prospect or two out You know, Well, they would have gotten probably a prospect or two out of it or maybe a piece of the major league team. In the end, I think J.D. Martinez... I think he, they, there were talks, but I just think nothing really materialized that was worth it. So they felt like it was more worth it to just hang on to him. Because what they could do, what the Red Sox could do here, they could offer him the qualifying offer in free agency. And if he ends up going somewhere else, I mean, that he could just take that money for next year. And if he ends up signing somewhere else, they'll get a draft pick out of it. So... I don't think it's bad to have J.D. Martinez on your team. He's a good hitter. So I have no problems with J.D. being on the team. So I think that's pretty much what the Red Sox thought. They thought, okay, let's just hang on to him. He's going to help our lineup this year. And we'll offer him the qualifying offer. And if he takes it, okay, cool. We'll have him in our lineup for next year. There's nothing wrong with having J.D. Martinez in your lineup. But if he ends up going somewhere else, you get a draft pick out of it. So, I think in the end I think it works out. But um, for the Red Sox here Cutter Crawford, Nathan Evaldi, great starts, a bit of a bummer in game 3, but in the end you take 2 out of 3 against the Astros who have been extremely good this year. Um you know Rich Hill, you know bummer of a start. Brian Bayo ended up getting hurt in this one. He has a something going on with the groin, so the Red Sox placed him on the 15-day IL. So that's a bit of a bummer there. You know Brian Bayo, the ERA is an 8.47, but he has a FIP of 3.65. So, Bayo's has actually been pitching better than you might think. So, you know, he had a, he's had a couple of decent outings here with the Red Sox. So, uh, I'm excited for Brian Bayo in the future. So, the Red Sox moving forward, right? If we take a look at where they are currently in the standings, right now, I mean, you, you got a lot to work against here. Right now, at this moment in time, as I'm recording this, the Red Sox are 53-53. and 53. I believe they are down to Kansas City right now, taking a look at the score. Uh, come on, load for me game day. Uh, but yeah, okay, this game's over. Kansas City winning 7-3, to three, and uh, that is that. But the Red Sox, 53-53, and 53, and uh, you know, actually... Are they now below 500 after this? Let me refresh the standings. My goodness, MLB.com. No, they're 53 and 54. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, they have fallen a game under 500. They're four games out of the third wild card spot right now. And, uh, I mean, they're going to – they got a lot to work against here. You got the White Sox, the Guardians, and the Orioles out in front of them. The Orioles are playing great baseball. They made a couple of trades. Trey Mancini, Jorge Lopez, and the Orioles are still winning games. Um I don't know. I think in the end, the Red Sox, I think they could make a run. Maybe once the, you know, once we get going in August a little bit, you know, they looked okay in that Astros series. But the key for the Red Sox here is pitching. And again, that's why I wanted the Red Sox to try and add some pitching somewhere, and they just didn't add anything. Um, but coming up here in the month of August, you got a few more games against the Royals. So those are winnable games. I know you lost game one tonight, but you could win the next three. I would not be surprised with that. Um, then you got the Braves for a couple of games and you got the Orioles for a makeup game. Then you got the Yankees at Fenway. You got the pirates after that on the road. So that's a winnable series. Um, the Orioles, They're always going to be tough, and they're playing great baseball. That's going to be a tough series. Blue Jays, they're playing so much better in the second half. That'll be at home. But then you got the Rays. So you got a couple of wild card teams here. Blue Jays and the Rays, obviously division rivals. So those are going to be much-needed games to win. Uh, Then you got the Twins on the road to close out the month. And then going into September, you start off with a four-game set against the Rangers. And then you got the Rays at Tropicana. Uh, then you got the Orioles on the road after that, a couple against the Yankees. You got the Royals after that. You get a couple against the Reds, back against the Yankees, back against the Orioles, and then you got the Blue Jays, and, and then you got Tampa for the last series. So I'm not going to count the Red Sox out. It's not looking great as of right now. You're four out of the third wild card spot, but you got a lot of games left against Tampa. So they're going to have to win the majority of the majority of those if they want any shot. I don't think they're really gonna. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Toronto can go into another slump. I don't see Toronto slipping out of that wild card spot, um, or at least out of the top three. The Mariners have been playing so well lately. I think the Mariners are going to end up getting a wild card. But then, uh, you know, I think it comes down. I think it will come down in the end to Tampa Bay. You got a lot of games against the Rays here. Again, you got three to end the season. You got. Uh, you got three at the beginning of September, and then you got a couple more series against them where you got one series against them coming up here in August. So what is that, nine games left against Tampa? So you had nine left against Tampa. So if you could win seven out of those nine, six out of those nine, and win some of these other series against teams like the Pirates and the Reds and the Royals, they got a chance. They got a chance. I'm not going to completely discredit this Red Sox team because th- this they have a slightly favorable schedule. You got some tough matchups there. Obviously, the Yankees. Um, you got the Twins there as well. The Orioles, that's always a tough series. And obviously, they're playing great. So with the Red Sox, I'm not going to count them out. But uh, they're just going to have to take advantage of some of these important games. And uh, one more story before I do get out of here. Uh, we're talking about Christian Vasquez getting traded away. And hey, it looks like this is going to be the end of Jackie Bradley Jr.'s career with the Red Sox. I would imagine uh, at 115 today, the Red Sox announced that Bradley had been released. He will now be free to sign with any team uh, for the prorated league minimum with Boston on the hook for the remainder of his contract. Now, you got to remember here with Jackie Bradley Jr., they brought in Alex Benalis and David Hamilton in that trade. That was the main part of that trade with Jackie Bradley Jr. They were not bringing in Jackie Bradley Jr. for for him. Yeah, sure, they were bringing him in for some outfield defense, you know, a left-handed bat, you know. But in the end, I've been saying this. You've all been hearing me saying this for a little bit now. There was no reason for Jackie Bradley Jr. to be on this roster. There just wasn't. Uh, Taking a look here at the depth chart on Fangraphs. I mean, especially after bringing in Tommy Pham, I I just did not see how JBJ was going to stay. I just didn't see it. I thought, I thought Kike Hernandez was going to come back a lot sooner and he never ended up coming back. So I think Kike staying on the IL helped JBJ, you know, a little bit longer, you know, stay on the roster a little bit longer. But once he brought in Pham, that was pretty much it at that point. So I'm not surprised to see him go. I've been saying, you know, this guy's going to get DFA'd for a while, and uh, and it finally happened today. But for Jackie Bradley Jr., listen, I'm always going to remember, you know, I always remember back in 2013, man, when he ended up, you know, making the team out of spring training. He was so hot in that spring training, and then he ended up helping the, the Red Sox in that first series against the Yankees. Um, you know, obviously, ALCS MVP, big series there against the Astros coming up with some big hits had that grand slam I love Jackie Bradley Jr. man some amazing catches out in the outfield um he he was one of my favorite players to be completely honest I really enjoyed him I remember even putting him uh, I tagged him in an Instagram story during that 2018 playoffs and uh, he actually like he liked it I was like whoa JBJ, he actually like liked my little story that I put, you know, and I was like, whoa, that's insane. Um, I always love him, man. He he will definitely be one of my favorite players that I'll you know look back on. Um, but in the end, it, you know, his time just ran out and, and he just wasn't doing enough to stay with the team. Um, but again, the Red Sox, they brought him in so they could bring in prospects. That was the main motivation of that deal. Alex Benalis has been doing pretty good down in the minor leagues. David Hamilton, eh, not as much. But um, that's what it is with Jackie Bradley Jr., man. But in the end, with this deadline, I think the Red Sox did okay. I think they did fine. I, th- I would give them a B. I could see an argument for like a C or a C plus. I don't think anyone would give the Red Sox really an A. Uh, but I'll go B. So let me know down below in the comments here. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But in the end, I just liked what they did. Uh, You know, they could have done more. Sure. I think time worked against them a little bit. Would have liked some pitching, but what can you do? I like that they, they they do have the talent to go on a run for a wild card spot. Will they end up getting it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, we're going to have to see how they play over the next couple of weeks. They could really fall out of this thing pretty quick. But I think Hosmer is going to do good with the Red Sox. I think he's going to be a nice surprise. Um, I think you know I think guys like Pham and McGuire are going to contribute to this team. But the key for the Red Sox, sure, they're adding these players. The key is the pitching at the end of the day. They've just not been getting great pitching lately. Is Sale going to be able to come back? You know, Is Evaldi going to be able to stay on this track? You know... <laughs> What's gonna be going on? What's gonna be going on? You got some guys on the IL still, but we'll have to wait and see. But that is the key with the Red Sox is the pitching, is the pitching. But everyone, uh, before I do get out of here, don't forget about today's sponsor, Bet Online, uh, and don't forget we are partners with SeatGeek as well as Prize Picks. Everyone, uh, I just want to say thank you for coming out to episode 14 of the Believe In Red Sox podcast. If you can, hit the like button on your way out for me. Uh, Share the stream uh, for people that, you know, maybe couldn't come in tonight and share any of the other content here on the channel. Uh, Greatly appreciated. But uh, everyone, I will see you next time for episode 15. I'm sure we will have quite a bit to talk about. And uh, also, I just want to say... Uh, Before I do get out of here, again, Paul Hawaii, thank you for becoming a member. And thank you for gifting 10 memberships. That is amazing. Thank you for that, Paul Hawaii. Everyone, thank you for coming out tonight. Have yourself a great night. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe.